Welcome into the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. My name is Kalen Jones. I am alongside Chris Cartman and Fabian Ardai. Guys, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Looking forward to Pac-12 basketball season. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, and <laughs> that was a dig at me. <laughs> but guys, let's jump right into it. Arizona State basketball. They are 12-0, and ranked third in the country right now. Um, what the heck is going on? What do we make of this start? This is probably as fun and efficient of a college basketball team offensively as we've seen in the last 20 years at least. Like, just names off the top of my head. It's last year's UCLA team is pretty close just to what they were able to accomplish. But I feel like this team may be even more balanced just because of how many different weapons they have and how they can use them all and how many different just ball handles they can have on any given possession. It's pretty di- scary how dynamic they are offensively. I think they've had 90 or more points in 9 out of their 12 games. All 12 games they've had at least 75 points. Gar- they've had a guard score at least 20 points in 10 of their 12 games. They're third in the country in offensive rating. Like They're, they're just dynamic offensively, and I think that makes them incredibly tough to face. Being 12-0 and 0 is remarkable in and of itself. But when you've won 11 of those 12 games by double digits and you've beaten two teams who are arguably top 10 caliber teams, Kansas and Xavier, uh, Kansas being on the road, Xavier at a neutral site with 105 points. Another team in San Diego State who already has a top 10 upset under its belt. San Diego State's a good opponent. It's not like this, this wasn't a weak non-conference slate that ASU just – you know, easily handled like a Georgetown is is or whatever. You know, some of these teams that are not playing anybody, and not not just not just twelve and zero with eleven double digit wins, a twenty point one margin of victory, ninety one point eight points per game. The next closest team is eighty five point three points per game in the Pac twelve, uh, and and ASU has the third toughest strength of schedule to this point among the twelve Pac twelve teams. Uh, ASU is uh, has a turnover margin that's almost twice as good as the next closest team, Oregon. Uh, the offensive efficiency off the charts. Ne- never seen anything like it at ASU uh, in, in the modern era of college basketball in which these kinds of things are measured. Um, it really is a breathtaking type of a season that's unfolding. I just want to say once again that Everybody is going to say that Shannon Evans and Trey Holder are Pac-12 Player of the Year candidates and ASU's best players. I think Romello White might be the MVP of this team because of what he opens up for everybody else on the court. Uh, The second chance opportunities, the ability to get uh, high percentage finishes around the basket, go up. He opens the floor up for the three-pointers on kickouts off of dribble penetration and other actions. Uh, and uh, I didn't ap- appreciate the degree to which he would be able to help boost this team's offense uh, this season, and that's as much as anything where I underestimated. Now, I'm just like you guys and everybody else, I'm very fascinated to see if ASU can keep this going once it starts playing better teams. ASU shooting 40% from three for the season, which is pretty darn good. And uh, its turnover margin is just phenomenal. One of the the, uh, best teams at taking care of the basketball, fewest turnovers per possession. Uh, 
almost almost the most shocking single team that I've seen in my years around ASU. And you, you say Romero White's MVP. I say it's him combined with Daquan Lake and Mickey Mitchell. I think just the whole factor of being able to have an inside presence and being able to be balanced offensively has been one of the beat like key game changers to unlocking this offense is I think you saw maybe spurts of it last season just the ability to have ball dominant guards like Shan Evans and Trey Holder work together in sync you could see that that was something that was unique considering what both their play styles they shouldn't be able to play together but they did but you saw it last year for ASU's boomer bust offensively they were 14th in the country in three point attempts and now this season they're 121st but they're way more efficient at doing it the, the ability to do things is they're just way more balanced. They're more willing to attack because they know they have guys that can rebound or they don't have to sell out and just bomb threes and then sell out defensively because they know they're un- overmatched. It's just the ability to maybe allow Shan Evans and Trey Holder and especially a guy like Cody Justice who was guarding fours last year to really just be themselves within this offense. It's what has unlocked each player to be the best of their ability. Last year – you would see Trey Holder or Shannon Evans get into a favorable position off the dribble, but then not be able to get a shot up at the rim, not have a anywhere that they could drop the ball off to. They couldn't enter the ball into the post uh, to run their offense in and out, inside out. They just had to almost either take these kind of circus shots or they were kicking the ball out, and they were so much more reliant on the three as a result of that. Obi Aleka was a pretty solid player, and if you had him on this team, that would be great uh, for ASU, but he would be like a hybrid forward who would be mostly facing up as opposed to what they had, where they had to use him last year on the inside, and he just wasn't a post presence. And, um, and having those players that you mentioned, Fabian, but in particular Romello White, has just changed everything about ASU. Yeah, Romello White leading the Pac-12 in field goal percentage at 69%. Of Shannon Evans, as you guys mentioned, and Trey Holder, those guys have been lights out from all over the court, especially from three-point range. Shannon Evans leads the Pac-12 in three-point field goals made at 38. Uh, Trey Holder, who leads the Pac-12 in scoring at 21.5 points per game. He also leads the league in uh, three-point field goal percentage shooting, scorching 45%. So <laughs> it's kind of been ridiculous, but it, you guys answered it. Like, how has ASU gotten to this point? It's really been through the addition of several players, especially, as you mentioned, Chris, who arguably is the MVP in Romello White. But you look at the other pieces alongside them, you look at the depth that they have off the bench, Remy Martin of uh, Daquan Lake, who's been very superb off the bench. Vitelli Scheibel in spurts has been there, even though he's struggled a little bit. But then you have guys like Mickey Mitchell, who the transfer from Ohio State, who's performed admirably well, set a career high in rebounds during his first uh, start in Wells Fargo Arena. Um, so, guys, really, when you look at the makeup of this team, how far, what do you think the potential is of this team? Well, here's the thing. The question, the open question to be discussed here and is – Will ASU get even better because of having Mickey Mitchell? Uh, Monty Lawrence hasn't played yet. Fully, that's where I'm going. Is you have Mickey Mitchell, who's now getting fully immersed. You have Kamani Lawrence, who might be their best pro prospect on the roster, who as a six-seven small forward, 
who's going to be back any game now. Might not play against Arizona, but if he does, maybe in a very limited capacity, I would expect him back within a week or so You know, for the, the, the next round of games in the Pac-12. And ASU was very shallow, uh, having to play only seven guys uh, early on in the season with some of its injuries and, and Mickey Mitchell still not, not eligible. So now you're looking at a team that goes nine deep once Lawrence is back. You have more flexibility of your of your roster. You can play bigger. You can play smaller. You can match up against Arizona or UCLA or the teams that are going to go smaller. Um, I'm not. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how many Pac-12 teams are going to be able to hang with ASU. It's like, you know, there's a bias that we all have, which is, well, this is ASU, and so therefore, they're not going to go out there and go 15 and three or 16 and two in the Pac-12 because it's never happened and it's kind of preposterous to, to think that. But this team is not like any ASU team that we've seen, at least going back into the early 80s. Yeah, quite literally. They're on the best start in school history at 12 and 0, best start since that team that had Byron Scott, Alton Lister, Fat Lever, Sam Williams. And their, and their confidence. That's what, that's what Bobby Hurley does is he inspires confidence in play because it's okay if the shot selection isn't that good. The guys aren't getting pulled. They're not looking over their shoulders. Um, there's, a, there's a freedom of play. There's a buy-in to what they're doing. There's an enjoyment factor. And how do you actually defend ASU? Like, you know, we saw uh, a couple teams have tried to zone ASU recently. And they figured it out. It took, it took a while. But then they figured it out. Remember, they got Mickey Mitchell... Uh, you know, working into the soft spots zone, yeah, the, 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 the the short corner, flashing him into the sweet spot, uh, his passing ability, his, this, the second chance opportunities that ASU's had. Now, a lot of these things are going to be tested against Arizona, which is going to be really fascinating to see because Sean Miller's famous for his pack line defense. They'll contest the ball. They got length to close out to the perimeter, but it's very hard to get into the, the teeth of this defense. Um, they don't give you second chance opportunities, uh, and they do a very good job of taking away some of the internal actions that will get Romello White the ball and things of that nature. So um, this is a this is a huge litmus te- litmus, litmus test, pardon me, for uh, what the rest of ASU season will be, and um, I'm very interested to see what's going to happen here. I think you touched upon a little bit. Bobby Hurley has said it multiple times. This team's got an edge to it. Uh, Damon Stoudemire, I think, said it after the Pacific game. Like this, they, Arizona State looks like a team that's tired of losing. I think that's maybe that's something that can carry in this season. I think that it has some value, especially in college basketball. I think the biggest thing that's going to carry them is their offense, as we mentioned so much. It's so efficient, so dynamic that it's going to keep them in any game they're in. The thing is, even when they're not shooting well. They are sec- they have attempted the second most free throws of any team in the country, and they have the highest free throw per field goal attempt rate in the country. Meanwhile, last year they were in the 200s in the country in terms of that rank. So their ability to not only not be reliant on having a good shooting game, but being able to supplement a great shooting performance with also just getting to the line and being efficient from there, it makes it a hard offense to game plan against. Because even if you do zone them, like you said, you have zone buster like Mickey Mitchell. If you think that they're going to just bomb threes, then you have Romello White inside. And if you try to control those, you also have three guys shooting over 40% from three. So it's just it's hard to game plan about around. And defensively, they've actually improved in terms of being able to be 
better on the perimeter. You have a guy like Daquan Lake who had seven blocks against Pacific. You have actual rim protection now. It seems like this team, this is a team that, while they do have holes, they have if they feel like temporary holes that they can find solutions to within the game. And I think that's something Bobby Hurley's improved on as he's become a head coach is in-game adjustments like that. They haven't even really used Daquan Lake alongside Romello White a lot. But when they've done that, it's actually worked really well. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that Bobby Hurley doesn't want to do that because of how it can sort of close down their offense a little bit because Romello White and Daquan Lake, you don't have somebody who's going to be out there on the perimeter and, and their, their, their flow isn't going to work as good offensively. But you, have, you know that you have the ability to go to that. Uh, to try to anchor the, your interior defensively, if that's what it, if that's what it comes down to, this game is going to be really fascinating because Arizona has in uh, Aiton and Ristich like these two bigger, taller guys that were contending with that could be a challenge because of the versatility of Ristich and Aiton can step out and shoot three and how you defend all that. Uh, but Arizona is far from a very uh, appealing to the eye offense and certainly not especially efficient. It's more of a grind you out type of a a team. And so um, seeing that contrast between ASU and Arizona in this game is another uh, fascinating component. Yeah, and I think that's where ASU could be in some trouble, at least in my opinion. I think having to handle Ristich, having to handle Aiden down low, who, again, Aiden averaging 19 and 11 per game, I don't think ASU has had to go up against a front court as potent as the two of them, in my opinion, like offensively at least. No, I don't think so. And Kansas had some injury issues and didn't have that much size. You know, there have been some teams, but not the size and skill and ability to clear the boards you know, and, 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 and really keep you from being able to do what you want to do on the interior. We're going to have to see, Fabian, in this game if ASU has anywhere near as many free throws as it has had in the past because of the way that Arizona's length and size – can sort of shut down opportunities. We're going to have to see if ASU is going to become more reliant on three-pointers in a game like this uh, compared with other games where it really hasn't had to do that. Uh, and we're going to see if, if Arizona has the ability to get ASU's front line in foul trouble uh, because Romello White yeah, and that's has been, a problem. On, been able to stay on the court for the most part this season. Even when ASU's playing seven guys, they didn't have multiple guys foul out in any game this season. So... Um, all of these little subplots are going to tell the tale not just for this Arizona game, but but how does ASU look in terms of a tournament team? Because you're now going to see the, the Arizonas and the UCLAs are going to give a great indication not only of where ASU ends up with seeding in the tournament, which is a guarantee that ASU is going to be in the tournament, but uh, can ASU you know, end up at a one seed, a two seed, a three seed? And how will it project to be able to play against different types of teams and how their rosters are composed. Those are things that we're going to really get to flesh out right now. I'm also really interested to see, because what the difference partially was in Tucson last year and here last year, part of it was because ASU couldn't match the size, but also because Raleigh Alkins, Alonzo Trier, and Parker Jackson Cartwright did a great job defending the perimeter yeah. against this sort of flow of defense. You have a lot of length and and Shannon Evans and Trey Holder both thrive off being able to get off the bounce, be able to get into the driving lanes and either drive and kick, draw a foul at the lane, or dump it off. So it, having this kind of length on the perimeter that they have to go against, in addition to some of the other factors they have involved, this is probably the most challenging defensive task ASU's ever had. I know that they've had 
the offensive efficiency they've had off this season, but this is the biggest test as far as how sustainable that is against a tough conference slate. That's right. And so what I would say for fans watching this game is take a look at how Arizona decides to defend ball screens because that's going to be a big determining factor. Uh, are they going to have Trier and Alkins and Parker Jackson right really try to chase over some of those, which is not the way they typically play? Usually what they'll do is they'll try to uh, wall off and then you know, kind of like a hard hedge and then chase back. Uh, to the ball, so so are they going to be able to keep ASU in in front of them, defensively, but at the same time try to take away some of the shot making from ASU's guards on these harder hedges, uh, where the bigs and and is ASU going to be able to take advantage of harder hedges by getting the ball on these slips uh, to their forwards coming inside inside the paint, um, and and does ASU even need? Will ASU even need to bring a lot of ball screens to the perimeter to be able to get their guards off? Because if not, then then, then that presents some, some challenges. So uh, Kansas, you guys remember, they have length and athleticism on the perimeter. They had a lot of 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", bigger-bodied kids that the size matchup was, was a big contrast. And Bill Self even talked about that. You know, Shannon Evans and Trey Holder and, and Remy Martin are all under six feet tall. And they're not big kids. So what's that look like against bigger, more physical kids like Trier, like Raleigh Alkins, who are, are able to wear on opponents physically and guard you uh, extended out onto the floor and what happens with, with, with ball screens? I think um, that's going to be another kind of key telling uh, indicator of how ASU um, – how well ASU is suited to be able to handle tournament-style play later on. Yeah, we'll definitely see. I didn't say interesting this time, Chris. Gotcha. <laughs> but before we wrap this up, guys, uh, Chris, uh, two commits over the week. Uh, Jalen House, son of Eddie House, a former Arizona State great, uh, committed to ASU, as well as, a, I believe he's a wing, Mike Foster. Uh, yeah, Mike Foster's a 6'9 forward. Uh, visited ASU. He's only a freshman in high school out in Milwaukee. Uh, it's uh, almost kind of crazy to say this, but this might be actually the best prospect to ever commit to ASU at the time of, of his commitment. Um, he looks to me every bit like a lottery pick, uh, the type of guy that is a one-and-done player, um, almost like a, I would say, not quite as good, but in the same sort of vein as a Marvin Bagley type of a player. Um, visited ASU once, decided he was ready to commit. He'll end up being a top 10 recruit in that class. Uh, the one class ahead, ASU has Kyrie Walker, who's a top 10 recruit nationally. Uh, that's two five-star caliber prospects. And then Jalen House, who's a top 100 recruit on 24-7. Uh, the son of Eddie House, as you said there, Kalen, very similar type of a player. He's six foot one, maybe thin, quick trigger, fearless, scores the ball at all three levels, um, more of a lead guard than a true one, kind of like a combo. You can play on or off the ball, just like a Shannon Evans, I would say, in terms of style. Very similar to that. The, 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 you know, the lift frame, the, the, the diminutive stature, uh, but the ability to score the ball, probably not as good of a ball handler as Shannon Evans is now. So we'll have to see how that evolves. But a local prospect who's filling it up at a really high level. ASU's recruiting 
has gone from pedestrian to hyperspeed in the matter of a couple years. We've talked a lot in the Devil Sanctuary, our premium forum on Sun Devil Source, about Adidas's role in that process and what has happened. And if you really want to understand the dynamics of that, you're going to have to click that subscribe button and come in and join us in the Devil Sanctuary and really learn about what's going on in recruiting, how sustainable is this, what is it going to take for Bobby Hurley to remain at ASU in a contract negotiation, and a lot of other behind-the-scenes stuff that really isn't going to be out there in the public domain. And what's crazy is ASU is, I think, the only team in the country that has a commit from every class that's 2018, 19, 20, and 21. And Who you are s- all four-star or better. Yeah, they all are. Uh, and it's crazy how you see what ASU is doing now, who they have coming back, because they're, they're losing their three senior guards, Cody Justice, Trey Holder, and Shannon Evans. But you already have uh, Remy Martin in the system. You have guys like Lugans, Dort, and Vatsanen coming in next year. Those guys, offensively, what they can project to be. Then you have all kinds of these guys, like Jalen House. It, you could just sort of see, like, you can put the puzzle pieces together ahead of time in your head of what that team would look like. And it, it looks as if a number three team in the country, 12-0, and 0, it's sustainable to be not just a flash in the pan one year, this whole team came together, it was special. It looks like it's something that Arizona State takes maybe that rare leap where you see a mid-level program jump to an elite program. There, there's program sources who before this season told me that they thought that ASU's guards next year, Rob Edwards, Remy Martin, Lugens Dort would be better than their guards this year, Shannon Evans and Trey Holder. Now, maybe that's wishful thinking on, on some of their part, but Remy Martin looks like he's going to be one of the best guards in ASU history right now. I mean, if he stays four years, how is he not going to be, given what he's able to do? Rob Edwards was by far the best player on Cleveland State. I think he averaged 16 or 17 points a game as a sophomore at, Cle- at Cleveland State. Um. And then ASU adds Luke Ensdor, a top 25 caliber prospect. They add uh, a, a top borderline top 50 wing coming in internationally in Elias Valtanen. Uh, they have Zylan Cheatham, who's one of the best athletes on the roster, who's sitting out this year. Romello White's only a freshman. Mickey Mitchell's got more eligibility. Kamaya Lawrence is only a freshman. Quan Lake's a junior. Quan Lake is a junior. And so <laughs> you're going to start to see – guys who are really actually good basketball prospects that aren't going to be able to crack the lineup. And f- fans freak out when that happens. Like, oh, what's going to happen to so-and-so's minutes? Hey, guys, guess what? Like, when somebody's really good and they're not playing, that's a sign that you've arrived as a basketball program, and that's kind of what's going to happen at ASU. All right. Arizona State, again, ranked third in the country. Bobby Hurley Sun Devils will be taking on the Arizona Wildcats in Tucson to open a Pac-12 play. Uh, thanks again for listening. You can subscribe to us at Sun Devil Source. Dot com, but from Chris Cartman, Fabian Ardaya, I'm Kalen Jones. Thanks for listening.